Welcome to episode 18 of Ask Alex on the OneOuter.com podcast. Um, as we discussed last podcast, Alex is preparing to go to Vegas to uh, tackle God knows how many thousands people putting up 10k in the main event and uh, trying to you know make some money. So we decided to do a sort of catch up with questions that are outstanding and they've been lying around in either Alex's inbox or myself. Um, so we're going to try and tackle all these questions for them, sort of clear the decks with uh, Alex going away to Vegas, um, just in case he wins it and never comes back. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> so uh, we're going to just tackle these questions, and this might be a two-part, or, or it might be a one-long one, one long podcast as a sort of like, uh, while Alex takes his poker hiatus, so we'll see how we go, and this one will just be sort of really firing into questions. Uh Unless Alex, you got any news or anything, anything more of Vegas plans coming up or what you've been up to? Not much, man. Just uh, by the way, guys, my voice is going to sound a little hoarse today because I've been doing. I did. Uh, I have my entire thing written for the battle with the Saurus, and I've done it like ten times in the last two days. So it's a, it's a little rougher because I do have to scream as if I'm, you know, in a rap battle to practice for it. And, uh, yeah. yeah, so <clears throat> you might hear me clearing my throat a few times. I apologize about that. But, yeah, we're going to get into these questions. And uh, I don't have anything new to hawk. Check out – write me at assassinautocoaching at gmail.com if you want to get some free articles, free stuff like that. And uh, if you want to buy – if you want to watch me play every hand of scoop, write us there and we'll send you all the details. But otherwise, let's just get into it. Yeah, I was just thinking my intro music for episode 18 was going to be 18 with a bullet. But uh, it's it's now going to be let me clear my throat. I've got to do that, you know. (laughs) Well well played. Yeah, that's it. Okay, let's just get fired into these. Before we do, if you want to get questions in for the next show, then uh, tweet at oneouter.com. That's at O-N-E-O-U-T-E-R-D-O-T-C-O-M. Or join the Facebook group, it's free, facebook.com slash group slash one-outer. Again, O-N-E-O-U-T-E-R, and join it. I'll accept you pretty quick. And you can post questions for Alex there, you can message me any questions for Alex, etc., and we'll get them asked on the next show. Or just old-fashioned email questions at oneouter.com, and you know, take the chance to ask Alex anything you want for free, strategy questions, etc., and on that note, we're going to just get straight in. Now, I've got these here, and I don't have names from these people, so apologies for anybody that's in these questions. We're just going to... You'll know who it is if you've asked it. Okay, the first question is, in the first letter, you have verbal lectures for mindset. Are they available for me? And if yes, can I get them? Can someone get verbal lectures for mindset? Uh, yeah, you can get them with me. I uh, I really well. This is a really good self-promoting podcast so far. Excellent. But uh, <laughs> no, I do a lot of mindset training. The thing is, you got to know what you're getting coming in. Uh, my mindset stuff comes from you know just kind of being a bit of a puss when I started in poker and you know not really having much of a foundation mentally for 
this kind of work and having to work up into, okay, this is my profession. And then, oh, this is how I take care of my family. So it's a lot of like more real world. uh, It's not as psycho. I, it wouldn't be like as much psycho analysis stuff because obviously I'm not trained in that. But yeah, I have a lot of, okay, focus on it this way and focus on it that way. And a lot of really practical advice that does help a lot of people. Uh, but I would really recommend Jared Tendler as well. Uh, I've only gotten, he's the only guy I've ever gotten like an outside lesson with. And it was really worth it. I did it right before my scoop 500R run and then the Sunday 500 and the big 109 and all that stuff. So I, I'd really recommend him as well. And, uh, but yeah, a lot of, uh, you can also pick up a lot of it listening to this show. And you really have to challenge yourself to be tougher minded and not really get caught up in the the moment of a lot of different things. Yeah, we've had Alex, uh, we've had Alex on the show, we've had Jared Tendler on the show a couple of times um, a few years ago, and he did like a podcast with me where it was like my session but recorded and just put out as he did it. Um, and that was amazing. I mean, even for someone like myself, it really helped my gate, the way you think about things. And also yourself, Alex, you said a few things before, just simple little things like when you're playing poker, just think how lucky you are to just purely even be playing on a computer for like thousands of dollars, you know, rather like some people don't even have like fresh water or whatever, you know, stuff like that. People need to be reminded that shit daily, you know. No, you really have to... You know, you have to suck it up and count your blessings. Jared Tendler is an amazing bullshit detector. The first thing he ever said to me, like, he goes, well, it looks like poker gave you absolutely everything, and you're pissed off because it didn't give you more. And yeah. I just, I, you know, of course I wanted to punch him through the computer. Because, you know, it's one of those things, like, when it's spot on, it pisses you off more. But uh, <laughs> And, yeah, I mean, it, he has a lot of, like, analysis that'll really get you it kind of got me over that hump and not yeah and uh yeah just focusing on the stuff that you can affect and change and just being able to the one thing that really changed how i looked is if you make thirty thousand dollars a year or more you're in the top one percent of the world and that's uh as far as wage earners and that's pretty crazy, but you think about it, all you ever hear about are people, you know, making 30, 50, 80K. And when you live in, like, the Western English-speaking world, you think that's all there is. When really, there's a lot of people, like you said, out there that just, you know, and if you do some traveling, I think you and I have both done traveling, Barry. And then when you go to different countries and see some of the crap they've been through, it's like, oh, my yeah. God. Like, this is uh, uh, this is pretty bad, man. This is pretty heavy. Yeah, when I was in China, there was a guy the same age as me and we we were doing business he took us to like the house that him and all the other guys were staying in uh because they all live in the, the country but they come in and live in the city just for like you know to work and sell stuff and uh they were sharing this like really like dingy flat apartment that you that was like a film set you know it was like <laughs> dripping pipes and stuff like that and his bed was literally you know one of these big chest freezers um, with the lid off it, you know, all right, the lid in it, so it didn't close probably and like suffocate him, you know. But his bed was like padding and a cover, like in this fucking chest freezer, 
I honestly felt like just like we're doing business with these guys. I was like, holy shit, you know? Yeah, of course. This is what they're living in. It's just crazy, absolutely crazy. Yeah, and you. Uh, but, um, yeah, I mean, if you're if you're religious, it's really good to like pray and thank God for what everything. Like every day, I pray before I play. I pray at night. Yeah, and, I was praying they didn't rob us and yeah, take our money. Yeah, you know? man, well, I mean, uh, but like if you're uh, you know if you're not into that, I think another good thing is like just keeping a journal and like writing down everything you're appreciative of and uh they do this in the army like when you're uh when they when they have like a when you're flying a jet that's like 25 million dollars they don't want you taking your personal bullshit uh up into the sky so they have a lot of uh compartmentalization techniques that they teach these guys and it's all the same stuff it's like they have to like write down you know everything that's going well in their life and then you know when they look at the problem from a different standpoint it's oh okay this was this was pretty stupid to begin with. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, fire straight into question two then. Um, what is the influence of your wife? No, actually, I'm I'm trying. I'm just going to read this as it is. Uh, <laughs> right. Some of them are broken English. I mean, yeah. You know, so we'll, we'll we'll just read it as it is. Uh, that way, it's fair. What is the influence of wife for MTT Poker Pro? I am single now. I used to have a girlfriend, and I am in a way to get another one. <laughs> Sorry if that is a tricky question and I don't want to be analytical and not emotional, but anyway, it'll be good to know the good parts and bad parts of that. So I'm assuming what's the benefits and influence of, let's go, obviously your wife. Uh, oh, that's a, that'll be your, 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 uh, you know, sort of right, uh, right. circumstances. And, uh, yeah, cost-benefit analysis on a girlfriend for a poker player. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, that's a really good question. I wish my voice wasn't ripped to shreds so I could uh, do a little more 30-minute freestyle answers like we do on some of these, But because this is honestly a question that is so important. Uh, your significant other, when you're a poker player, could make or break you. If you got, uh, you, you know, and the, it, a lot of women can be a little stressful for some period of time. I think that's their job. But, uh, you know, if it's someone who's like, everything is a problem, that can really drag you down. Or if it's, you know, uh, a girl I dated at one point, like just didn't understand the hours I was putting in. And uh, before you have that lawyer's salary, they're not really going to respect that you're working the hours of a lawyer. They're thinking you're playing, you know, fucking StarCraft all day. And, you know, when you tell them, I can't go out to this dinner, I can't go out to that, I can't do this, you know, or I'm working this schedule, it it gets really hard. So you have to, if you don't have someone you think is really willing to work on on this with you, you should probably just, like this person did, just let it go. You know what I mean? When I was in a, when I was in Malta, I started dating like a really nice girl, and uh, but like back then it was like the American schedule and everything. So I started at like 7 p.m. and everything. And she was older than me, and she actually made like a pretty smart call. She was like, you know, you know, I'm not really willing to work with you on this, and I don't really think you're looking to sacrifice anything. So we shouldn't just get into it. And uh, you know, at the time I was like 21, so I didn't understand anything because everybody's stupid at that age. But uh, you know, I look back now and don't like she probably you know. It, it, when you get like really involved with someone who doesn't get the poker life, it can be really tough. And uh, you know, I dated uh, my childhood uh, 
my childhood like sweetheart like from when I was like in junior high all the way through high school and then you know uh she was a she was a very sweet girl but she was from a muslim family and uh, yeah you know and they they, they <laughs> I I worked a lot of normal jobs and one of the reasons I worked those normal jobs is I had a reason for all the money I was taking home but you know eventually I quit working at restaurants and stuff like that and uh they they didn't really realize you know, it, it was uh, it was a little tough to justify the money coming in, and eventually they did figure out what I was doing for a living. And it was just nonstop bullshit, you know, just constant. Why do you have to do this? Why can't you go into that? And why? And you know, if they're not gonna, you know, it sucked. I was with this girl for like five years, and she was a sweet girl, but uh, you know, and obviously there were other problems, uh, just the difference in faith and all that, but uh. It, it, you know, it just eventually it got so much of the crap and all the like when I win money, nobody cares because I got it dishonestly. When I lose money, oh, it, everything's going to go to shit. You know, everything is terrible. If someone's not yeah. going to respect you and you're not going to give up poker and like you don't have another vo vocation, you don't know what else you're going to do. It's probably better you cut it off. You cut the relationship short before you uh, uh, before you get like really emotionally involved. And that's really hard for a lot of these young guys. You see a lot of, like, the 18, 21, 24-year-olds, and uh, they don't realize, like, there's three billion of women on Earth, you know? <laughs> you can wait. Like, if there's yeah. one that's just not really, you know, obviously there's always going to be, like, ups and downs with every relationship, but if there's one who just really doesn't respect you or just really doesn't respect what you're doing, isn't really supportive, or the other flip side is they can be way too supportive of like its financial benefits i've had uh I, I would never call these women girlfriends but i've had women i was like dating who when they found out what i did and you know they started seeing some of the money associated with it became like you know i'm the new I, i'm the new jesus christ in this new neighborhood and we all got a party and we all got to we got to pop bottles on thursday and all this crap you know what yeah. i mean and it, it, you don't want somebody on that side. You want someone who doesn't give a shit you're a poker player, but respects that this is what you want to do for a living. And then if it's in that way, if it's right, you know, it, uh, I, it, having someone who really cares about you that you play for, I am such a much more consistent player now because of I, not having my wife to play for, having my mother to help out, and having my sister to help out and all that stuff. Back when it was just me and myself, it was like, well, I'm going to be high for these three days, and I'll show up for that tournament, hopefully, if I wake up on time. And, uh, you know, it, it, we'll move on. Now, it, like, I've gotten my taxes together. I've gotten my house together. And, like, a really good significant other should challenge you to do other things. Like, my wife always pushes me to go to social events, and I go, I don't want to go. I don't want to speak Spanish. I hate speaking Spanish. I'm an idiot. Well, you're going to go and you need to do something else. You know what I mean? You need yeah. to get out of your house. And that, now I, I, don't, I would not say I'm fluent in Spanish, but I understand 90% of the time what's going on. And that's a life skill I never would have had if my wife hadn't, you know, really put me into that. Or my wife, you know, was, you don't, you're up in your head all the time. You need to do something with your hands. I, I was, like, oh, you know, I, I do stuff with my body. I run around. You know, I, I do a lot of road work. And she goes, no, that's another addiction for your mind because when you're running, you're thinking. And I was, mm -hmm. so here, I just got these new 
couches, you should refurbish them with me. And, you know, at first I was like, I can't believe this shit. You know what I mean? I, <laughs> I, I, I make $210 an hour and I'm fucking refurbishing a furniture. I'm going to call the kid from down the street and he can do this and he can go get me a fucking Diet Coke while I'm doing it, you yeah. know? And then eventually I'm working there and I'm like, I'm listening to System of Down. I'm chilling. I'm sanding and I'm like varnishing. I'm like, this is really good for me. You know what I mean? I'm sweating. I feel good. And then I started like gardening and stuff. That was her idea. But yeah, you want someone to like challenge you and make you try different things, like be interested in different things, but also respect your space. And then like, I would not be, I mean, most American players have not been around for 10 years. I think we can admit that. I can't, I can count the guys on one hand I started with. I mean, like Team A420, B Paris. Uh, I'm really struggling to think of who else is still in it. And there's a lot of people who are still in it, but I, I don't consider them a threat anymore. I still consider myself a threat at the poker table. I, I don't think anybody wants me at the poker table. And I, I take pride in that. And I think my head would have just been completely gone if I hadn't had somebody who you know, hey, it's not a good idea to smoke weed every day because that's not what normal people do. Normal people wake up, do their taxes, drink a cup of coffee, and get to their desk. And then normal people at 6 p.m. stop obsessing about this stuff. And then they go and they do something else. And if they've been watching TV the last few nights, they're going to go out to, like she makes me go to the opera and crap like that, like stuff I would have never done in a million years. I would have rather stayed home and played NBA 2K or something yeah. like that. <laughs> and it's really, you know, uh, beyond opening my mind, it's like really elevated my game and my personal wellness and everything. I love my wife. My wife is like the greatest thing that ever happened to me. And uh, But, <laughs> you know, you can really get dragged down by a bad girlfriend. And, you know... If you're just dating and this girl is like stressing you out and isn't making an, you know, an effort to calm it down. There was sometimes like Latinos, uh, I hope you're sitting down, but uh, they're a little more dramatic than most Americans. And there was a time, uh, I know, amazing, right? But <laughs> I said something just so racist right there, I know. But anyway, uh, no, but I mean, it's a bit more of a dramatic culture. And there was a time like people around here used to like, you know, my wife included, like they would freak out about something small and I would go into like fight or flight mode. And, you know, I was like, you guys got to cut this shit out. I am playing for tens of thousands of dollars. I cannot worry about this right now. Yeah. And they showed a willingness to do it. Her family, her, all that respect my space. But if they show no effort, you know, you got to, you know, there were so many times there'd be an amazing live game and like, the Muslim girl I'd be dating would just be flipping out about something. I'd be like, you know what, this, is, you know, this is it. Like, I can't do this shit anymore. I know it's been five years and we grew up together, but, like, I'm sorry, it's just not going to work. Yeah, I think the key thing is it's like a magnifier. If things are going well, that's a really good then, way to put it. Then it'll go well. You know, if you're winning and stuff, and then it'll, it'll all be fine. But if not then it can be magnified even more. So you see, you can come up, if they're in a bad mood or they're dragging you down with shit, and then it's just a total recipe for disaster. And like yeah. you say, from the outset, they got to know that this is what you do. And especially, he says, you know, like a poker pro. So if you're a pro, they've got to know that what you do and try and sit down and explain it to them in a way that, you know, they'll understand and stuff like that. But it is magnified. I mean, from personal experience, you know, it's, 
like you said, I had somebody that supported me completely, like let me do what I want with folk, like didn't even stay in the room if I want, you know, if I was playing and stuff like that, and gave me space and things. It's a bit huge help, you know. It's either going to be a huge help or a huge hindrance, and it suppose it depends on the the ghetto, you know. So yeah, uh, yeah, just screen them carefully. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I mean, uh, yeah. The other thing I was going to say, I totally just forgot. Hold on. Crap. <sighs> I had a really good point. I felt like, hold on. Yeah, it's a magnifying thing. <sighs> Jesus Christ. Uh, I lost it. I lost it. I had a... Uh, oh, oh, okay. When you meet the person, do not tell them you're a poker player. This is a big deal. Okay, because every... Well, at least in the States, every asshole says they're a poker player. This guy... I think I know who did this. This guy, my my uh, sister, was in Las Vegas the other week. I haven't told you about this, but she was like, she was like, uh, with her boss at the club, and uh, her boss, she she works for a lawyer, and the lawyer apparently is doing well enough she can fly her out there and take her to the club or whatever, right? And this like guy comes up and goes, hey, and is hitting on my sister, and then uh, the. And then she goes, uh, what are you doing in Vegas? And he goes, I won the World Series of Poker. And <laughs> she goes, really? Because my brother's Alex Fitzgerald, and I know the World Series of Poker hasn't happened yet. And the guy's like, you know, the face. And I, I was tickled pink by the fact that she thought, uh, she thought like somebody would recognize my name. But it's like it, every jackass says they're a poker player now. And if it hasn't happened in your country yet, as it gets more popular in your country, it's going to happen. Like I went to go buy a couple monitors the other day and uh, I, I went in and uh, I was talking to this guy and he was like, why do you need the monitors? And I was like, Oh, should I? And I was like, I'm a professional poker player and I never tell people that. And he goes, oh, yeah, interesting. And I was like, yeah, everybody is one. And he was like, yeah, like 20 kids have come in here saying that's what they do. And, you know, just because you're, you know, you can afford your Fruit Loops and your mom hasn't kicked you out of the basement yet doesn't mean you're a professional poker player. But rightfully so, if women keep hearing that line, they're going to associate you with that. You know what I mean? And uh, furthermore, uh, it, you want them to get to know you and like you. And you can just say, I'm in investing, or you can say something close to that, you know what I mean? And then if they don't seem to give a shit about what caliber of restaurant you take them to or something like that, then you tell them. And then you know they actually like you for you. I got really lucky with my wife because when she met me, I was living in like a mansion by the beach with an entourage, with a private beach and an entourage and stuff like that. And, uh, like within a year I was living in like uh, the ghetto of San Jose, Costa Rica because I had no money. And she, you know, like I got to see that her behavior toward me did not change. It was just, well, you're still this person I like, or I don't know if it was love at that point, but you're still this person I like and you're screwing up now, but I think you'll figure it out. And now I've always trusted her. I've always said, you know, you're the only person I could get divorced with and you would deserve more than half of everything here. You know, I super romantic. I know, but it's one of those things like, you know, if I'm getting married with someone, I, it's really because I want, I expect to have kids at some point. And it's, it, it, this is not the romantic thing, but it's kind of like a business merger. 
at some point. You know what I mean? You both yeah. bring something to the table, and you got to know you work really well together, and it really is half-half after that point. You know what I mean? That woman has to – and if you're the breadwinner, she's got to be the manager. She's got to give you your space when you need your space, and she's got to be up in your face when you're getting stupid, when you're complaining about, oh, these other people. She's got to be – got to make sure she's woman enough to go drop that shit. Like, Jesus Christ, we're trying to watch a movie. Nobody cares about what Cal 42688 did to you. You know what I mean? (laughs) Which is something I would have done when I was 21. I haven't done in a very long time. But anyway, uh, yeah, I think we covered that extensively. Great question. Yeah, I think it is an interesting question as well and something that everyone will go through at some point in time. So Mm -hmm. hopefully they got some stuff from that. All right, the next question. This is quite funny when I was reading this one. Uh, why are you not as good as Mike McDonald or Vanessa Self? <laughs> uh, I mean, what qu- I mean, what qualities do you need more? I know that I am not as good as them, also, and it's a good way to see myself from a different point of view. What is their value as a coaches? Do they deserve the money they take? And is it a good idea to take them as coaches? Oh, it's uh, sorry. You guys might hear my answering machine in the background, but uh, I apologize for that. Well. Uh, Yep, hold on. I'm going to let... <laughs> Speaking of wives and girlfriends, yeah. <laughs> I told her I'm on the radio, so, you know, ob- obvious great management ideas to call right in the middle. You can, you can discipline her later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I'll give, her, I'll give her a call in between shows. No, I mean, uh, Vanessa Selps crunches ranges. Like, when I crunch a range, I need Flopzilla. I need uh, I, I use Flopzilla because honestly I can't think that way. My brain just doesn't really work like that. I, and I'm pretty good at mental math. Like I, I have a memory from like third grade, a teacher like for shits and giggles put up like a really long, like 327 plus 164 minus da 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 divided by, and she wanted to see who could do it the fastest. And I said, well fuck it, I'm gonna. I'm going to do it in my head, right, and just take a guess because everybody else is doing it by hand and I'm not going to be faster than them. And uh, I said at the end, like, an answer, and the woman looked at me like I was a psycho. They, were, they wanted to check me for a learning disability at this time, so it was uh, <laughs> kind of out of left field. But, and, like, even with that acumen, like, I know I have an above-average way of, like, crunching numbers in my head. When I try to think about hands, like, it's hard. It's really hard, like, in ranging people. And uh, you don't realize, like, but if you go, okay, he, okay, here he could have, like, ace-jack, king-jack, queen-jack. Well, how many combinations are there of that? Or a lot yeah. of times people say, like, oh, I called because I thought he could have a flush run. And then I pull out Flopzilla, and this is something I know just from rope memorization. Uh, it, it, but, like, I'm like, a flush draw is, like, 20% of his range. And you needed to be right like 40% of the time here. So I've internalized everything like a human could learn, and I think I crunch it a little more on the fly. But a savant like Cal42688, Flush Entity, uh, Mike McDonald, Vanessa Selps in an extreme fashion does not even need to do that. I mean, they could certainly be benefited by like learning from someone like me who's really developed the rote memorization, the, the, the co- combining combinatronics as CTS called it, 
memorizing pot odds, what each bet needs to work for, what hand ranges we can see in each, doing a thousand Flopzilla breakdowns. But it's just like when you watch Messi play football, you can tell he was born able to do that. You know what I mean? And, like, I don't even know, like, Mike McDonald has, like, the greatest, like, one of the greatest mindsets I've ever known. I don't even know if he would agree with how talented a lot of people think he is. But that is a talent. That is a certain talent to come from a good family and to capitalize on it and to really be emotionally developed and to see some good fortune and to keep running with it. And uh, there's – you can work up to being, like, pretty good. I I would take my chances. I think I'm, like, one of the best of the, like, humans would be what I could put – the guy I like really look up to and I think I've brought up in this podcast before was a tennis player named Brad Gilbert, who nobody thought had talent, but he almost got ranked fourth. He was ranked fourth in the world at one point. He made 5 million plus from tennis. And they, all they said was like, this guy just threw everything back. He was just a harder worker than everybody. And uh, when Andre Agassi looked for a coach, he went to him because the guy knew how to capitalize on what little he had. So, you know, I'm I'm very grateful with God that I can I I can help like really better players than myself uh, kind of uh, capitalize on their strengths and put a fine point onto many of the things they intuitively feel. And it's really a pleasure to take guys who are lost like I was 10 years ago and really finally hone them and teach them how to study and be great players. But I understand, you know. Like, in, in the pressure moment, I, I still go, uh, and, you know, I kind of, you know, I need a couple moments, and I, I know some of these people don't feel like that. I didn't, like, freak out, like, during some of my bigger bluffs, like in PCA and stuff they put on TV and whatever. Like, I wasn't freaking out at all. I didn't, but, like, there's sometimes, like, when I can't do, it's not one of the, like, thousands and thousands of uh, rote memorization uh, communitronics and if I'm even pronouncing that word right I've only seen it in writing but like combining all the combinations of hands and stuff and doing the math it, when I like don't know where I'm at which doesn't happen that much I don't trust myself as well to make that decision so a lot of times when I'm in a spot I don't know about I just fold and then I go home and I study that spot relentlessly until that never happens again and I look at every possible range I could have been against and uh, I'll bring it into my lessons. And I listen to people a lot more. And uh, I think that's put me like at the top of the humans. But I understand there's certain people that are just like, you know, like Phil Ivey can just look at a guy and know if he has it. I don't have that. You know what I mean? But the reason I love coaching people is I don't think you need to have that. You can have a very productive career. Now, I haven't made millions of dollars like Vanessa Seltz or something, but I'm very happy with my life and super grateful with with God to be able to, you know, just do these things that are so hard to do. Like, my friends are $200,000 in student debt in the States, and, like, they're going to need to be, like, 35, 40 before they're where I'm at. If they're lucky, you know, just paying off a house and all that stuff. So I think also being good is not really focusing on who's better than you. On any day, I could beat Vanessa Selfs. It's less likely, but, like, she doesn't know a whole lot more that I don't know, which is pretty good news for everybody because 
she is like the savant greatest field player I've ever seen and are like, and I'm at the other end of the spectrum, like really kind of emotionally stunted, not really sure of what is going on uh, at the table between people, constantly offending people because I don't know how to talk or act right. And yet still I can enjoy a good uh, job and I can, uh, I can compete with someone like that. And the more you learn by like studying, the more you're going to realize a lot of these people do not have the talent you think they have. But the examples you, you used were amazing because those are actual people I would put up there. Mike McDonald and uh, Vanessa Selbst are like Phil Bortz has like, I think the savant like uh, feeling mixed with all of the classical training and, uh, yeah, I mean, all you can do is watch them, admire them, and, you know, accept. And you're, you, the other thing you've got to remember is you're comparing yourself to the top 0.1 percentile. You know what I mean? I could be in the 99.9th percentile of poker players in the world. I, I would believe that. But they're in the 99.99th. You know what I mean? Just like you laugh at, like, billionaires who get jealous of other billionaires because they have more yachts. If you yeah. work up to that top caliber and all that, you can't, you know, uh, you can say like, well, you know, that's just going to happen. Most of the time there's going to be somebody better than you. And it's not like tennis where like if you're 50th in the world, you make like one 200th of what the fifth player in the world makes. No, you still make a very comfortable living. And the top player in the world might go years of losing. So yeah, I guess poker is socialized in that fashion. Well, I, I think the most interesting thing is like poker, people judge it by who makes the most money. You know, money's a way of keeping score. But the way that you get the money, there is still that luck factor with with big, you know, with even big players. Like, uh, you got to final tables of EPTs, PCA and stuff, and for whatever reason, or, you know, even not yourself, other players, they've been there and they've not you know, had that little bit extra, you know, positive right. variance or luck or whatever at that point. And then you've got other guys that just come along from nowhere and then go on this crazy run like Jason Mercy did, you know, a few right, years right. ago or whatever. So I think that's the thing. It's hard to say. It's, it's like Phil Ivey, I think, even said that himself. Like, how can you say who's the best and stuff, you know? Yeah, he, he, know he, know, he knows he's the best, but, you know, he's trying... Uh, it's true. How can you really say? Because anybody on any given day, you know, I can win. Exactly, it's, it's... and that's what's beautiful about it. You know what I mean? And yeah. The other thing I love about poker is like, I kind of like that. Uh, well, I mean, I'm really grateful now because I realize if I won all that money, I mean, we've talked about this before, but I'd probably be dead. You know, given my habits at that time, but yeah, I, and how I drank and all that. But the other thing is like, poker. Poker doesn't reward the best guy right away. Sometimes it can take years and years. And sometimes it rewards a guy who doesn't deserve it right away. And some people who just can't deal with life get super worked up about that. And, yeah, when I was a kid, I used to, like, I, I remember hearing about, like, Peachy Keen or whatever his name. There was, like, two pros who I found out started with a bad beat jackpot. And I was like, those motherfuckers. 
Like, I am grinding my fucking life away, and they just pop off 350K. And you know I'd hear them interview, and they were like, yeah, and after my dad paid for me to go to Yale, I was just fucking around on party poker, and I won $400,000. And I was like, I'm going to punch you if I ever see you. I will punch you, right? But then I realized, like, you know, this is really what divides the men from the boys, you know? you got to... You know, you got to love that it's not really equal, you know? I mean, that's – people don't like winners and losers in life, but that's how life goes, and sometimes it's not fair. You know, I bet a lot of ideas that Bill Gates supposedly brought up came out in other companies, you know what I mean? And he just took them, or they didn't work out for other people, and he did something a little different, and the time was right, and he became Bill Gates. But it probably could have been other people. And if you get up into the variance, it's the biggest, it, it's the funniest, like, it's the funniest thing because, like, every minute you spend thinking about the variance or who's better than you, that's a minute you should just put your thumb up your ass and sing the ABCs because it's the exact same level of productivity. If you're, yeah. That's a minute you're not studying him. That's a minute you're not going, what does that person do that I could emulate possibly? Or that's not a minute you're listening to a new player who has like a new idea. You know what I mean? And uh, it, it, you got to, if you look at it as just like, oh, it's really fun to capitalize on what little is available to me, then it becomes much more fun. And remember, you're not supposed to be making money from a game. The world, as long as it's been available, available, there has never been a time where somebody could make this much money from something non-athletic that's a game, okay? I mean, there are other businesses that are close, kind of like a game, but this is a game. And if you're making any kind of money at it, you're ahead of, like, everybody in history. And you can currency leverage and travel and da-da-da-da-da. Okay, I beat that one to death, too. But cool, yeah. cool, cool. Next question. Um, let's see if I can do it in a sort of order that would... Yeah, th- this one's alright. How do I improve my game myself? Uh, I mean, I could have a coach and take lessons once a month, but that's 29 days that I'm all by myself. I need to work on my game. What is the process and what do I need to be sure that I'm on the right way and also I take the best steps to improve myself? Excellent question. I actually, I'm putting together a webinar for this, uh, I have a couple of things coming out probably after I come back from WSOP. Well, unless I, I win the main event, then, uh, you know, yeah. f- fuck all you people. <laughs> no, no, I'll still, I, I'll probably still make some stuff for you guys. I love you guys. No, no, seriously, fuck all you people. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, you know, you gotta, you got to finish it out, you know what I mean? It's a deal, yeah. but and, yeah. uh, there's a... Uh, uh, I'm, I'm going to put something together because honestly I could talk about this for four hours, but here, this should get you started. First off, understand what every bet means. Okay. Like when you go, they built the Las Vegas off of understanding what every bet means. They didn't put down a roulette table and go, gee, I wonder how often it hits on this color and what price should we be offering? No, they know when it, how often it hits, and they know what they're paying, and they know you're getting short-changed. It would just be like, you know, like uh, I used to see people like, not like in a bad neighborhood, but like uh, I'd see people gambling like dice and stuff like that growing up, and there was always one guy who had the edge, right? And uh, it, dice are like, let's do it with a coin flip. 
like they're flipping a coin and one guy's paying $55 when the other guy wins and the other guy's paying $50. Obviously, the guy who's taking 55 cannot get angry when 20 times in a row the other guy wins. Just like the Bellagio doesn't get pissed when Andy Beal comes in and plays blackjack and takes him for $3 million. Now, obviously, it's the responsibility of the house to have enough money in order to sustain this. But if you have the bankroll to sustain it, all you're looking for is to have that 55-50, that 57-49. And that requires understanding what each one of your bets means. If you want, uh, check out my article. Uh, it's called No Limit for a Reason in Bluff. It describes how to understand what each bet means. But very quickly, the formula is the amount you're risking divided by the entire size of the pot you're going to win. So if the blinds are 500, 1,000, and you make it 2,000, uh, you divide 2,000 by 3,500 because you're going to get back your 2,000 at the end of the hand. And that's assuming there's no annies. Now, what you're going to find out very quickly is like when there's annies, a lot of times, like, your bet doesn't need to work that much. And, uh, but you understand what every bet means, and then uh, you realize, okay, if I get people to fold more than this percentage of the time, I don't even need a hand. This is where the skill part comes in poker. This does not exist in other gambling games. You can have nothing and make money in poker. You don't need a hand. This is where the skill part comes in. If you focus on this, you can make a lot of money, and you can build up a lot of chips in tournaments when you're not getting hands. And then when you do get a hand, a lot of times people are really pissed off because they have some idea you're stealing from them, but you pick a situation that's really good for you, and now you rake in even more. This goes back all the way to Doyle Brunson. He just didn't quantify it as much, I guess, uh, because he didn't really need to, and he's the man. But uh, you go, okay... So my min raise here needs to work 44% of the time in order to be profitable. Well, how often is everybody folding behind me? Well, you get out Flopzilla or some other hand range thing, and you go like, okay, they're playing. Uh, what's the worst hand I think he's playing? And you make that range. You go, okay, he's playing 30% of hands, uh, so he's folding 70%. And then this other guy, he's playing 30% of hands too, uh, so he's playing 70%. And then... You put them into fractions. You guys are going to need to listen to this one over because I know this just got super complicated. But uh, you, you put them into fractions. So you put like 0.7 times 0.7, and that's their combined folding range. That's how often they're both folding. If that number is higher than how often your bet needed to work, you could raise with any two cards. You could raise with a hoodie. You could raise with napkins. You could raise with aces and then fold you'll still make money. It doesn't have anything to do with it. It, it, it. It's an independent invested in itself. And you focus on that. A lot of people focus on game flow, man. I want to play like this guy. And I, I, should I three bet here? Oh, I'm so aggressive. Oh, I take advantage of these fools. Oh, yeah, I three bet the button. I saw that. No, no, no. What? Look at his range. Decide if he's going to fold that much. Look at his raise first in. That'll give you a good idea of his range. Go to Flopzilla, see if he's folding enough, and uh, look at his folded three-bet statistics. Compare those numbers and see if you're right. And when you go through your hands, uh, when you go through your hands, see if, like, mathematically you made that right. And if you didn't get it right, memorize what, where it wasn't right. 
Like I had one this morning when I was going over with my students. Like I'm not that smart, but I've done a thousand lessons, so this adds up to like two thousand, three thousand hours of prep or whatever, aside from all of my stuff. And what I had this morning was we had a guy opening forty five percent from the hijack and a guy three betting fifteen percent and I did a cold four bet from the big blinds and I found that just barely cleared profitable if we had the guy if we had the guys playing pretty tight ranges. So if I memorize that, if I see a guy opening 40% of the time but three betting 12, I know, uh-uh-uh, I'm not going to cold four bet here. And if I see 40 and 20, for example, it's like, oh, cool, happy days. You know, I'm way ahead here, right? As long yeah. as and, – and it's just repetition and enjoying expanding your mind and enjoying just being in control when you play poker. You can learn every time you play poker. You cannot make money. And also cultivate a love for learning. Learn other things. Learn, not that I do this very well, but learn foreign languages. Learn other vocations. See if you can, uh, uh, not vocations, other hobbies. And uh, vocation means called by God, I think, in French. I think that's kind of overstating it a bit. But find other things and see if you can learn them more quickly. See if you can, you know, recognize your mistakes fast and do the same thing for poker and uh try to memorize rules keep a lot of notes and also watch you know watch as much as you can absorb yourself you know what i mean i don't have to do this stuff as much anymore because it's been 10 years but it took 10 years you know what i mean when i hear guys who've been playing for like two years and they're like yeah i don't really like watching training videos I don't really go over my hands. I just really want to play poker like 50 hours a week. I want to scream at them. I'm like, do you know what I w could have done if I just studied five hours a week for my first couple of years of poker? Like every five hours you study can – actually, it's like – I was going to say it's like 500 hours of play. But seriously, there was a play that me and my student this morning talked about. I don't think I would have ever thought of if – I was playing because there's just no chance. I'm just thinking too much about other things. It's not going to happen. And then, yeah, uh, check out the book, The Art of Learning. Fantastic book about a chess master who became a martial arts master, uh, won world championships in both fields, just talking about his life and how he enjoyed learning. And uh, I, I think if you can focus on that, you'll probably be doing pretty well. Absorb everything you can. Take notes. Take notes and put it into a test. You know what I mean? Try If you can't put it into a test that you can quiz yourself on, explain it to someone else. I always have to explain things to the horses I manage, and that makes me – I know everything backwards and forwards now because I've had to say it 4,000 times. If you, uh, if you don't have that, try to explain it you know, to a friend of yours. If they're explaining something to you, get an idea exchange set up. And yeah, that's a that covers it. Cool, cool. I'm just looking through the questions here. Uh, we're getting through them quite quick. Good. Um, so we can keep going if you're happy, or do you need to phone and check in with the missus? Yeah, let me check in with the missus. So I'm not. Okay, so we'll take a we'll take a short break there, and we'll be back in a moment with more questions. Peace.
say after a short break, we're back. And straight into the next question, Alex. Let's do it. Let's get these all sorted so you can just relax now and get ready for Vegas. Yeah, you know how it is. Yeah. Okay, the next one is, what is the difference between 1,000 plus fields and 50 to 200 players fields for MTT? It looks like I'm doing very good in big fields, but I have a problem with smaller MTTs. Well, you probably go for the kill a little too much. In, a, in like a thousand person field, uh, obviously there's a lot more in first, so you can play a little more like do or die strategy. And, you know, if you get a couple first, that's going to artificially inflate that ROI, you know, which is fine. You know, I, I don't, uh, I'm not especially good as, at like min caching and stuff like that. Uh, I think I've gotten a little better at it, but it's certainly not my strong suit. But uh, when you play those smaller fields, if you're going to play them daily, uh, they, uh, there's obviously, if the payout structure is the same, there's not as much money in first. So it's a, more of a game of like just cashing. Kind of uh, the less players there are, the more it's about cashing. Like when I played Sid and Goes for a Living, it was all about that money bubble. It was always about cashing. And then after that, it was all about first. But first thing, it was cashing. Then when you move to like, thousand person fields it's like well if you get like a first once every three years you're going to show a pretty good profit so you should be playing well logically you can go for the jugular a little more you shouldn't just be detonating your stack you should know what your stack is worth icm wise and not try to get rid of it but if you play a little more aggressive and like during the dog fighting stage like in the middle stages you really put the pedal to the metal you're not going to get as many of those min caches. So like with a 150-person field, you know, that's a little more important is caching a little more. And like when you have, uh, you know, like if you get a lot more consistent finishes, it's not going to be worth a lot less than getting first every once in a while. So I, I'm guessing you play a little too aggro uh, is my guess. And uh, But I would really recommend everybody like, fill up their schedule with like 50, 100, 200 person tournaments. That's how I made all my money as a kid. Uh, when I got into makeup for multitudes of backers, I, uh, before I got a little more independent on my own, I would always go home and I'd play like eye poker, like lock poker and merge and not, not that you should use those sites now, but like just as examples or like cake back then and sites that had very small fields on game, uh, 888, small fields, not really great fields. You, and, you know, just trying to final table consistently, cash consistently, playing a bit slower. And, you know, I'd always work off, like, my makeup pretty pretty fast doing that. And uh, especially uh, especially when they get a little higher stakes, like the hundreds plus. It seems to be good for confidence as well to play these smaller fields, doesn't it? you you sort of make final table, and although there's only maybe 100 or 150, it's still good. It's still a final table. It's still the end game. It's still getting to do all that fun stuff. Yeah, exactly. Like, right right now, all I play is on Poker Stars and Full Tilt because, well, I don't really play much lately, but when I do play, you know, I feel like I handle the better players better, and that's where the biggest prize pools are, so logically I should be there. But, yeah, it's way more exciting when you're playing – 
lots of these small fields and final tabling and going for first, and you get a lot of like four-handed and three-handed experience. All that stuff's great for your confidence, your game, your bottom line. And uh, some of the guys I know who have like some of the best bottom lines at the end of the year, they play a lot of these tournaments, and they're constantly final tabling and doing well. And uh, I think it really helps their confidence. Yeah, that's why I liked about the um, 180 mans as well, because you got lots of, if you're multi-tabling them, it's sometimes you're at the final table of like four of them at the same time. Yeah. And it's like good fun, you know, you're trying, to, you're playing for first and you're trying to see what's what. And it's, it's good for confidence rather than these big fields with thousands plus. I don't think people realize you could play like, you know, you could probably play the Sunday Million for life and never final table it. And that would be uh, pretty sure. standard. You know? Yeah, that would be standard. That would be, uh, or you can final table once and, you know, just screw up one thing. Screw ups happen yeah. all the time, and that's it. And then, yeah, and I mean, when I think of some of the times of I had the most fun playing poker, I think of, like, first moving to Seattle and, yeah, like, playing 180 mans and playing, like, back in, back then it was, like, ultimate bet, like, paradise and party and, uh, you know, 100-person fields, 200-person fields, final tabling all the time. It was a real rush. Now it's a lot of like, uh, you know, like I get deep in a few things every time I play, but, you know, like one thing goes to shit or I mess up one thing and that's that, you know? Yeah. And yeah. it takes a little more mental toughness and bank, uh, bigger bankroll and all that. And the, the thing for me is I played live a lot uh, when I first started playing. And they, those were like 35 to 50 player fields yeah. or 60 player fields. But it was live and they were good fun, you know, if you sort of played and, like you say, it's once you cashed and then go for it sort of thing, it was it was good, uh, it's good to, you're going to make more final tables in smaller fields. You know? Right, so, right. Sure. And le- one uh, caveat emptor, uh you should, uh, like, if everybody's being real tight on the bubble, you should still play aggressive like I'm sure you did in these, like, 35-person yeah. fields, but the name of the game is, like, cashing in these smaller fields because if you cash consistently and you know there's not as much in first but you cash all the time and then you make a really good run for first it's going to be worth more on average than if you like bust 90 percent of them and then you know finish first once in a while it's on average you're the guy who's more consistent and then you know goes for broke at the end uh is going to be making a little more money yeah yeah Okay, let's go to the next question. Um, here we go. Is it this one or is that? Yeah, here we go. Do you use the same Pisagno bet fold strategy versus short stacks in satellites? Uh, yeah, I do. I use it a lot. Actually, one of my favorite places to use it in is like turbos and sats and stuff like that. Uh, it, there's... A lot of times, like a short stack, like 13x, especially in some of these like really turbo sets, like 13x is like a stable stack. You know what I mean? So the guy, you know, the guy's looking to ca- cash, and uh, you know, like with like uh, eight big blinds, nine big blinds, your chances of winning the tournament are like 92% or something like that. But if you do a couple min raises on these like 15x stacks, 13x stacks, who aren't touching a chip because they got the seat locked up, uh, your chances usually go to about 100%. Now, once in a while, like, you know, like three of them in a row don't go right, and you bust out. 
and you know maybe your backer or some jackass tells you how bad you play. But for the most part, uh, it tends to work pretty well in the stats uh, just because people don't rejam. If you do the math like we talked about earlier in this episode, <clears throat> you'll find that, like, okay, Chip EV, they need to be playing like this much in order to break even, and you're going to find it's not even, like, close to that. You know what I mean? Obviously, ICM-wise, you don't want to be forfeiting, like, a really good stack. But if you notice, like, I mean, this guy's not even within 20% of what he needs to play. You're way beyond, like, ICM profitable as well. And you can put yourself in a lot of those positions to cash. Like, I won in, uh, you know, I won my last, like, PCA packages, WSOP packages. When I play the EBTs, like, play, uh, I almost always saddied into them. And it was a lot of this stuff. Taking advantage of the stacks that know if they keep folding, uh, they're going to probably win a seat. That's really where the money is. So there's a lot of times like a guy's stable with like 30x and he opens and he just thinks everybody's reacting to him. You just three bet it back to him and like there's no chance he's going to play a lot of these times. And you can use that with the real pisagno stuff as well. And uh, just make sure it's a guy who understands that. It's not just uh, some yokel from uh, some backwater who's going to like, oh, screw it. I got Ace Jack. Let's go. Yeah. <coughs> Sorry. Um, it's okay. I can hear you struggling with your throat now as we get to... We've got two <laughs> questions left. I'm good. We've got two questions left, Alex, so we'll try and conserve you as much as we can. Yeah. Regards to the Pisagno bet full strategy, you're still selling your uh, lecture on that, aren't you? Oh, why, thank you. Yes, $99, and it's... Uh, nobody who has bought that, like 100 people have bought that, and they all love it. Every like We haven't had one bad review. It's been really fun. Uh, actually, one guy bought it who was like a super high-stakes player, and he did a lot of the math himself, and he, he didn't say it was bad. He just was like, yeah, you know. It, it, but that was the only guy who hasn't gone like, wow, I got a lot out of that. So, yeah, check that out. R- write us at assassinautocoaching at gmail.com. We'll hook you up. And even if you don't want anything, write us there, and I'll send you all the written articles where you don't have to listen to this voice of mine. <laughs> And, okay, next question. Is there a real difference from betting 181 and betting 180? I guess that came from live poker, and most of the time I bet something that are zeros at the end, 100, 200, 500, or 25s. So bet bet numbers, I take it this is on. Uh, is there a real difference between what you bet? I suppose he's not saying, obviously, like between betting 180 is different than betting 1,000 into a pot of 500 or whatever. Yeah. But um, he's saying, I suppose, the uh, almost the... I can't even... I feel the you. Word I'm looking, I, I, I'm looking I got for. you. I got it's you. Not the, it's not the decimalization. It's yeah, not, yeah uh, it's not really... <laughs> is it the used car salesman price or a it's solid It's the number? psychological, yeah, semantics almost of a... There you go. Uh, yeah, of of a bet, you know, of a number, you know. Yeah, I uh, I, I think there is. There's like a lot of times you see people. I call it the used car salesman. There's a lot of like really shitty used car salesmen, but like you know, there's a real psychological effect by that. A lot of times the guys like the pot's like two thousand two hundred, and uh, when they want you to call, they bet like nine fifty or nine ninety nine because they want to keep it like a three-digit number. And when they want you to fold, they bet like 1,200. Now, this is why you've got to watch like every hand, which is really painful and hard to do. But uh, 
anytime there's a showdown, uh, you should be w- looking through like what the guy was betting. And uh, if he was doing the used car, used car salesman bets, you should keep that in your notes. By the way, if you watch my scoop videos, I don't do this once. This is something I used to do when I was way more motivated. But you should be better than me because this even shows you everybody is too lazy, myself included. But I, I would like to think my subconscious picks up on that, but that's probably me bullshitting myself. But you got to... You know, if the guy wants to call and he's betting like, you know, he's betting under the four-digit number or he's betting like 12.99 or something like that, you got to remember the used car salesman. You know, hey, man, this lemon is not 4000 I mean, this lemon's not 5000 It's four nine ninety nine. you know. You, and then there's other people that are just the opposite. They bet solid numbers. Uh, I, I found myself in this trap for a while. I always wanted to represent a bluff on the river versus certain players so i would bet like a really solid big ass number and assuming they would think it was a bluff and it worked for a while then i realized i was getting uh i was getting a lot of folds and i went back and i was like you idiot you've used that bet like a hundred times now of course they're picking up on it you know what i mean and uh you can go to the reverse so if you see like a trend you got to pick it up on a guy One way you can mark trends, like when I put it in my notes back when I was really motivated, if you don't know for sure, you put like use car salesman or whatever, use CS, and then question mark. If you see it again, take off the question mark. You see it again, uh, exclamation point. You see it again, two exclamation points. And then there was sometimes I'd be playing cash, I'd open up my notes, and there'd be like 15 exclamation points. So most likely it wasn't, you know, just random. And this can be a really huge tell on a lot of people. Uh, so, yeah, there is a difference. But uh, most, most of the time in a tournament poker, you get like 50 hands with a guy and you move on. So if you're only playing a couple of tables, and I mean, I was watching through some of my scoop tables, or actually more accurately, some of you guys who were kind enough to watch those videos went through and kind of analyzed them for me. I didn't feel like I was putting a lot of effort in on some of those days. A lot of those days I was tired. I kind of got winded at the beginning, playing a full Sunday, then a full Monday, then a, most of Tuesday with that early Scoop 500R rebuy. And then, like, I wasn't taking notes on this stuff, and I wasn't, like, watching every hand and shark scoping. This is stuff, like, if you can take a note on, it's really good. You'll feel like, oh, man, that went really well. And this is a really good check when you're playing live poker. If, that, if there's a showdown in live poker and you don't remember the bet amounts uh, or the action, you fucked up. You don't deserve to win. Like, seriously, Bill Ivey can get away with that. You can't. You and I can't. You know what I mean? And if there's a showdown and you see the guy was, like, really trying to get money, you know, you've got to remember, was he playing, like, 2,375? Or did he just wing 2,300 in there? And then, of course, with live, you can get in, like, is he cutting in these chips? Is he splashing them? Et cetera, et cetera. <coughs> Excuse me. But, uh... And one way I got sick of, like, trying to pick which number was which. So what I do right now is go to random.org, and it's like a random number generator. And I put the two numbers I want the bet to be between. I hit random, then I use that number. And I feel like I'm using numbers like nobody uses. (laughs) And uh, when I do do a solid number, it's just random as hell. And uh, I feel like people are reacting really poorly to it. And also, this helps you curb out your timing tells. Because even though a lot of, like, pros can't verbalize it, there are certain times, like, I see a bet size and I see the timing and I go, that is horse shit. 
like that is not the bet. And then I call with fourth pair and I got it. And there's other times I'm just like, oh, my God, this is so gross. And I just call with a full house on the river instead of raise and I see quads or something like that. And even though I can't exactly put my finger on what happened, I, I know something probably gave off. And I'm noticing versus like really good players, when I randomize my sizings and my time, it's always the same like 10, 20 seconds of me like entering the numbers and then typing it out and making sure I didn't type one extra digit and just instead raised half my stack as a misclick. You know, it's always the same time. It's always some calculation. I feel like a lot of these great players were picking up something on me for years, and they're not getting it now. So, yeah, that's the long and the short of it. Okay, and last question so we can get your throat a rest for this battle with the Taurus. <laughs> yeah, man. You know, we, we don't want any excuses, you know. Unless... Yeah, no excuses, <laughs> Okay, this one is a uh, nice one to finish on as well. Uh, I guess it's a good idea to have a coach that we meet perhaps once a month for at least forever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. uh, not Not just for a period. I mean, that way I'm guaranteed that I develop myself forever. Is that true, and are you the right person for that? Absolutely not. I mean, honestly, as far as, like, coaches that you could hire once a month for, like, the next five years, I think, like, if I stay in the consulting industry, if that is an industry now... Uh, within poker it's uh i think you would probably get the most value from a guy like me because i have the most contacts i hear the most conversations i'm at this computer every day uh from 8 a.m on you know and i'm listening i think i listen the most and i think i take out the most ideas from other i i read more than uh, anyone i know and it's a lot of this stuff like goes into poker and it's like and going into like I read about I read what economists say about like the markets and stuff like that because I want to see if any of that applies to poker and I have the most homework I have the most like I'll tell you a concept and I'll send you a video at the end so you can rewatch it and I'll uh, sounds like somebody's coming into my house which I really hope is my maid otherwise you guys are going to listen to a really sweet kung fu fight here pretty soon but uh no it. I have, like, I'll get you the video of it, like, the day after. I'll have follow-up uh, articles that I wrote. All the articles I write are for my students, you know what I mean? So it's like they can read through it, and, like, they don't even need to take notes as much. As long as they go through it and mark it up, they're going to get really well into it. And uh, it, I think I'm, like, the best guy as far as, like, if you had to select one person. Now, as a professional poker player as somebody who cares about a lot of you guys and just considering I don't have the time to coach all of you all the time, you know what I mean? And uh, so I'm not really losing anything, you know, just so you guys don't think I'm too generous. I really lose nothing telling you guys this, but this is the truth. You should get, there is wisdom, as the Bible says, there's wisdom in having many counselors. It's, uh, you want to have a lot of different perspectives. Some of the one of the guys I've learned the most from is Naza One One Four because he's like the opposite of me. I play once a week. He plays eight days out of seven. I get big six-figure scores, or I'm gone in the first hour. He cashes in practically everything. He's the most consistent. I'm the most inconsistent you can imagine, and we learn a lot from each other. You know what I mean? 
And if I just stayed with my normal group and I just stuck with people who, you know, speak English as their first language and so I didn't have to repeat myself so damn often, uh, it, it was – I wouldn't have learned anything. And if you're going to hire – you should hire coaches, you know, near and far. You should get Matthew Jonda because he has the most, like, theoretical consideration. You should get Tree Wynn because uh, – he, he's been in this for a really long time, and he really wrote some of the best literature at the beginning. He can give you a different perspective. Uh, you, could, uh, you could go to – let me just list off all of my competition while I think about it. But, no, you should be absorbing everything you can, you know. Like, I'm not going to be able – I can give you, like, a real savvy mentality coaching. I would really enjoy that, and I, I've helped a lot of people with their mental game. They used to – they used to fly me into poker camps, uh, different like uh, uh, backing firms, and like my job was essentially to walk around and scream at people and change their uh, viewpoint. And if I ever heard anybody bitching, I'd be in their face like, "No one cares. No one cares. Guess what? Even your mom, she doesn't care." You know, and I I can get you like a real tough-minded approach, and I've turned people around, and I've gotten a lot of people very positive in, on life. But a guy like Jared Tendler, who has like a thousand hours as a licensed counselor, is probably way more qualified than a guy like me. And if you're just going to me for that stuff, like surely you want to hear what I have to say because I'm the guy who has played, you know, I played poker professionally 10 years, probably 20,000 hours. I've been around the world. I've done da 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 da. I probably have a different perspective than he is, but you're not getting the full picture if you don't listen to what a licensed counselor has to say or what I don't even remember his title but it's a big one I know it's got lots of letters and it's really hard to get and so you know you gotta you know you gotta go around you gotta pick on everything and get as much as you can yeah and how's your throat oh, it's good I I do a battle I go through my bars every day because I'm hoping when I'm sitting there shitting myself in front of the saurus and I completely forget everything. I hope muscle memory will have me mimicking some noises that sound like rap. And, uh, but after I do the battle once every day, it just, uh, it, it, it's pretty, uh, I try to project just in case there's no mic or anything. And like, it's a little, I did that and I did, uh, I've done like 10 uh, lessons this week, so I'm pretty cooked. Uh, but I, I feel good. I know it sounds like shit. But I feel, I feel all right. right huh? You, you, you sound fine. You've been very, uh, very clear. Just a little bit hoarse. A little bit. Good, good Scottish word. A little bit hoarse. A little bit hoarse, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> I, sound, I, I feel like I've done, like, I've gone through the battle when I have my voice hoarse, and I sound like, I don't know, I feel, I feel like I sound like a corpse, like, trying to rap. Like, it sounds so bad. Like, it's, it's weird as hell. But I was like, oh, hell, maybe I'll do it that way. You know, at least people will be a little freaked out if it sounds yeah. bad. You know what I'm saying? That's it. All right, well, that's all those questions caught up with uh, that were outstanding uh, and outstanding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that's everything. So, Alex, uh, when are you returning from Vegas? When are you back? I'm back the 15th after I win the main event and the Venetian main event, and I body the Saurus because he chokes in the second round, and I bring out a dead... No, joking, everything. But uh, <laughs> the 15th was true. Uh, 
yeah, come back the 15th and we're going to do more of these and there's going to be a lot more content coming out. Yeah, so if you want to get questions in for the next show, then uh, get them in as uh, Twitter, at oneouter.com, at O-N-E-O-U-T-E-R-D-O-T-C-O-M. Join the Facebook group, facebook.com slash group slash oneouter, O-N-E-O-U-T-E-R, or email questions at oneouter.com. Alex, how can people get in touch with you? Um, and you'll obviously deal with it, you know, when you return and stuff for lessons. Yeah, for sure. And uh, if you guys need to talk to me about anything, you know, you can write my assistant. He's, uh, he's handled a ton of emails. So if your question came up before, we'll be more than happy to get back to you. But you can check me out on Twitter at the Assassinato, Facebook.com slash Assassinato. You want to get all my articles, like the day they come out, before they come out, all this free information, all the stuff that people risk, uh, what was it, people threaten me with bodily harm. Uh, because of what I wrote, you know, write me at assassinatocoaching at gmail.com. We'll hook you up with all that free stuff. And uh, you can check out my articles at WPT, uh, WPTMag.com under WPT Academy, Bluff.com, PocketFives.com. And, uh, yeah, you can check out my blog at PokerHeadRush.com. And uh, keep checking my Twitter because I'm going to embarrass myself hardcore doing the first ever poker-themed rap battle. And you should show up for that because I heard that Source guy is pretty funny and pretty good at what he does. So, yeah, uh, I think that's about it. Yeah, we're looking forward to this uh, this battle. So yeah, it's going to be we'll, good, man. We'll be keeping an eye on Twitter and Facebook and seeing when this comes out. I'm looking forward to it, and we'll discuss that next time you're on the show sure, and how, how it went. So <laughs> safe trip to Vegas, and I'll speak to you in uh, middle of July. Thank you, sir. Take care. Cheers. Cheers.